Everyone, hope you have a wonderful day. We continue. We left off the fourth chapter of the Dorim, 42b on the bottom, the Mishnah. So one makes a vow. Someone is the subject of a vow. He's now the benefit from him. You're not allowed to lend him, lend him anything. Because he's benefiting, you're lending him, he's benefiting from you. You made a vow, he's not allowed to benefit from you. So you're not allowed to lend him anything. The one who made the vow is not allowed to lend to the subject of the vow. You're also not allowed to borrow from him. Why not? The mother will explain why he's not allowed to borrow. Why shouldn't he be allowed to borrow from him? How is he's allowed to benefit from the other person? It's the other person allowed to benefit from him? So why is, can't he borrow and benefit from him? How is that benefiting the subject of the vow? He can't lend the money. Obviously, that if you lend the money, he's, benef- he's benefiting from you. And you can't borrow money from him. Again, the mother will explain, why can't you borrow money from him? I'm benefiting from him. He's not benefiting from me. How is he benefiting from me if I borrow money from him? There's a difference between lending, borrowing, and and lending money. You you can say, I'm borrowing money. The difference is, when you borrow something, an item, you have to return the exact same item. When I borrow money from you, I don't return the same money. I take your money and I use it. I'm just going to give you the equivalent. That's why he uses two different expressions. Borrow and, le- and, bar- and, and lending, or borrowing. Leave. Right. And you're not allowed to sell it. You can't buy from it. So you can't sell it. Why? Why can't I sell him? How is he benefiting from me? He's paying full price for it. I'm selling it to him. I'm not doing him a favor. One thing, if I'm lending him. If I'm lending him money. If I'm, but, but here... If he's borrowing from me something to use, but here he's paying for it. So why? How's he benefiting from me by me selling them? Because <coughs> maybe it's a hot item. It's the new apple. You can't get. You can't find it. So he's. Everyone wants to buy it. So here you're benefiting that I'm selling you something that there's a great demand for, and it's hard to get. Yeah. And, and, and also I can't buy from him and again the mother will explain why not the same reason I can't borrow from him the one who made the vow is not allowed to borrow from the subject of the vow or, or borrow money or, or I can't buy from him the mother will explain why not I'm allowed to benefit from him he's not allowed to benefit from me okay that's the mission the mother we continue on 43a 43a on the top we can understand why you're not allowed to lend him because you're benefiting why can't I borrow from him? How is he benefiting from me if I borrow from him? Also, I can't lend money for, to him, okay? I understand. And he can't buy from him. I can understand it because he's benefiting from me. And I vowed he's not allowed to benefit from me, okay? But I can't borrow from him. Why not? And I can't buy from him. Why not? Understand 
not borrowing from the subject of the vow, the one who made the vow, not borrowing, and not buying from him. That I can understand. Why? Why? Because there are cases when the subject benefits from the vower through him borrowing from him or lending or, 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 or borrowing from him. Why? If I borrow from him... If I borrow from him, if I borrow from him inferior coins, right? If he borrows from the if the vow, the one who made the vow, borrows from the subject of the vow, he borrows inferior coins, and he pays him back in better coins, superior coins. So then it turns out that uh, the lender is benefiting from him. So I made a vow, he's not allowed to benefit from me. That's why, that's why I can understand why you're not allowed to borrow money. Mm-hmm. In the case of a sale, also, it's possible that the object that I'm buying is, is only a moderate demand, there's, not, there's no great demand. So therefore, I'm doing the seller a favor, I'm taking it off his hands. It's sitting in the store for months. No one is touching it. And I'm coming along and I'm buying it. Yes, I'm paying full price. But he's happy to get rid of it. I'm doing him a favor by, by helping him get rid of it. The inventory. But if I could understand. But by borrowing an item. Here there's no exchange. It's exactly whatever, he's bar- whatever I'm borrowing. I return back the exact same item. So how in the world could I benefit him by returning to him his item? Forget it. I'm taking it away from him. I'm using his item. I'm benefiting from him. How is he benefiting from me returning his item, the very same item? So why, why am I not allowed to borrow from him the item? For example, The Mishnah is speaking a case where each one made a vow you're not allowed to benefit him. The lender and the borrower, each one, made a vow that the other one is not allowed to benefit from him. Exactly. So therefore, no one is allowed to borrow from each other. If the, what if not? What if only one of them made a vow that the other one is not allowed to benefit from him? So the one who made the vow is allowed to borrow. According to Rabbi Yisrael, Rabbi Hanina, the one who made the vow is allowed to borrow the item, the object from the other person. Because I'm benefiting from him, but he's not benefiting from me. On the contrary, I'm taking it out of his hands. I'm enjoying his, his item, his object. And then I'm just returning to him what belongs to him. So he's not benefiting. Yeah, not, he's not benefiting from me. Krishna coming to tell us then. According to Rabbi Yisrael, Rabbi obviously, if each one made a vow, the model to benefit from the other person, of course, I can't lend and I can't borrow. I mean, what's the Mishnah coming to teach us? He said the Mishnah is coming to teach us that this benefit, even though it's a minimal benefit, what am I benefiting? Okay, I'm using your item for a little short while and then I'm returning it. So a minimal benefit is also included. When you say, you know, the benefit from me means any type of benefit. <laughs> no, Abaya says no. The Mishnah, you're not allowed to borrow. Even if there's only one vow, there's only one vow. I made a vow, you can benefit from me. So the mission is telling me that the borrower, I'm not allowed to borrow from him. Why not? How's he benefiting from me? It's like, If you allow him to borrow, you may come to lend because it's, it's reciprocity. You have, you have to reciprocate. If you borrow from me, in turn, I'm going to have to lend you. You have to be nice. 
I did you a favor. You can't take revenge. I did you a favor. You're going to come. So that's what we're worried. And all of the above cases, not only in cases where it was... He borrowed, he, he borrowed the money that was, uh, you know, an inferior coin. He paid back in a better coin. Or it was a case where he was happy to get rid of his inventory. So I'm helping him. No. Even if it's a hot item. And therefore, everyone is jumping in it. So how, how am I... Ben- and he's not benefiting from me. Anyone. He could have sold it to anyone. And I'm paying full price. Nevertheless, out of decree, you're not allowed. To. Okay, next mission. We're up to the mission of 43a. Okay, look at mission. Oh, If he says, lend me your cow. How long do you make the handle hold it? And he says, it's not available. Omar, he says, so the borrower, who the lender refused to borrow, to lend him his cow because he says it's busy. I need the cow for myself. I don't. I can't give it to you. So he says, I make a vow that you're never allowed to ever allowed to plow with this cow. In other words, even if he agrees later on, he's, when the cow becomes available, he says, I make a vow. I'm not allowed to use this cow. And I'm never going to use this cow. No, he was upset. He said it in anger. He was so upset. He's not borrowing the cow. He says, you know what? I'm never going to use the cow. Even if you want to lend it to me, I'm not using your cow. Others say that he wanted to borrow the cow for other reasons, not for plowing. But the owner said, no, it's busy. It was an excuse. I'm sorry, I'm busy. I, I can't. He knew it wasn't busy. The cow was just sitting there grazing. <laughs> But he thought that maybe the reason the owner doesn't want to lend it to him is he doesn't want to use he doesn't want him to use his cow to plow. So he's telling him, I make a vow, I'm never gonna use it for plowing. It's not the reason, it's not the purpose I'm using it. I need it for something else. So he says, Okay, maybe the owner will give it to him. Oh, in that case, then then the cow is suddenly available. That's why he made the vow. So the Mishnah says, If the one who made the vow. His habit was to plow the field. Who also had the mutarim. If he himself would plow, when he made the vow, I'm not going to plow with the cow. What he meant is, I am not going to plow in person. I can hire other people to plow. I never said the cow can never plow. I, said, I'm, I meant I'm not going to plow with this cow. But if it's not his, his custom to plow it in person, he hires other people to do the hard work. And then he meant that no one is allowed to plow it. He can't hire anyone else. He can never plow his field with this cow. That was his vow. He's not allowed. He never plows. He meant no one, no one's gonna, with this cow, no one's going to plow my field with this cow. Yeah. Then we go back. What if a person makes a vow that the person can benefit from him? And the person has nothing to eat. He's starving. So the one who made the vow wants to give him food, but he can't. He can't just give him food. Because he made a vow, he's not allowed to benefit from him. So the mission is giving us options what he can do. Go to the storekeeper. His, his storekeeper that, he's, that he normally goes to. And he says, Each This person cannot benefit from me. I made a vow, he can't benefit from me. And he's starving, I don't know what to do, I want to help him. 
And that's all he says. Then the storekeeper gets the message. On his own, he gives food to the subject of the vow. And then he can come and collect payment from the vower, the one who made the vow. Because even though the, indirectly the person is benefiting from him, it's not directly. He's giving to him, the storekeeper is giving to him. I made a vow, he can't benefit from me. He's benefiting from the storekeeper. Now he owes money to the storekeeper, so he's paying his debt. We already learned he can pay his debt. Paying his debt is nice, an indirect benefit. He never told him directly to give him food. And he never told him directly that I'm going to be responsible to pay. It's just he got the message, and this is his regular storekeeper, so he understands. He goes without saying, he understands what needs to be done. So even though he's a regular storekeeper and he gives him credit, so he could understand, but he says, since he never, it's only a hint, didn't obligate, I'm not obligated. If you, take me, you can't take me to a court of law and demand the payment from me that I ever tell you to give him, that I ever said I'm going to pay you. Even though it was understood between the lines, but I never said it explicitly. So he can't take me to court of law. So therefore, he's not benefiting from me. So when the Mishnah says he can come and collect, he doesn't mean he can force him in the court of law. But he means it was understood that he will pay him and he meant to pay him. And if he goes, he's allowed to pay him. That's all he's saying. If he pays him, he's allowed to receive the money. So if he, if he, yeah, the one who made the vow, the one who made the vow, the guy doesn't have a penny to his name. Right. Now, how much more so if he goes and announces, whoever is going to give this money to this person is not going to lose anything. That goes without saying. Because he never obligated himself. Even if someone in the crowd goes and feeds the person, he can't demand them in a court of law to pay. Right. But here it was his storekeeper and he has credit with him. So here you would think it's almost like him telling him specifically, one individual who has credit that I mean, go pay him and I'll pay you. Nevertheless, no, since you can, it's not clear, it's just a hint. And, and you can't collect it in the court of law. So therefore, he can, he, he can go and pay him and it's not a problem. He's not, the storekeeper is not acting as his agent. Right. Even though he told him the whole story, but it's only hinting to it. I never made you my agent, legally. I never appointed you my agent. You can't come and demand payment from me. You acted on my behalf. Doesn't mean that you could only do this if the person is poor, even if the person is Rockefeller. If I want to give him, I want to feed him. I want to give him a gift. I want to give him food. Send him a nice meal. I can just go to the storekeeper, do the same thing. I said, you know, this person, I want to give him. I want, I want to. I want him to have a nice gift for his birthday. But I said, he, I made a vow. He can't benefit from me. And that's all. That's all he says. And then when the storekeeper goes and provides them and sends them this beautiful thing of chocolates and this. He's allowed to pay him because I, did I ever tell you to do it? I never made you my agent. Krishna continues. Oh, you buy his livings. A person had a house to build. They believed it. He had a fence to erect. So they believed it. He has a field to harvest. And he's short. He can't finish building his house. He can't build his fence. He can't harvest his field. And the, and the one who made the vow can't help him either because he made a vow that that person can't benefit from him. So he's allowed to go to the workers. And he, the worker, his workers that he always employs by him, and he says, each playing him with the minion, I have a problem. This person I made a vow, he can benefit from him. And he needs help. He has to finish his home, he has to finish his fence, he has to finish his harvest, his field. And I, I don't know what to do. I, I'm stuck. 
And then they go, they get the hint, and the workers go and work and help him finish his house, finish his fence, build his fence, and harvest his fields. They can't demand it, but they have permission to go and collect wages from the vow. Because he wasn't as official, he, he never made a direct uh, agency, he never told them specifically. If he's willing, they can collect the money, and, and it's not considered as if the person benefited from him. Even though, in fact, he did. <laughs> he is the one, the instigator. He's the macher. He's the one who made the whole thing happen behind the scenes. Why does the mission have to say uh, two examples? It's one thing you would think food, okay, it's necessary, necessity. The guy is starving to death, so we have to figure out a way, even though it's a little, uh, you know, it's a little shady. But here, he has to finish a house, he has to build a house, finish a fence, harvest, okay, so you can't help him, so you can't help him, go sit at home. I'm saying, no, it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter the scenario, even if he's a wealthy person. It's the principle. Since it's a hint, and you can't demand it in the court of law, I'm not your agent, I mean, you're not my agent, I'm just hinting, and you went ahead, and, and you went and did it. So therefore, I'm allowed to pay you, and it's not considered the other person is benefiting from it. If the two, the one who made the vow and the subject of the vow, are traveling together, and the one, the subject of the vow, is not of the benefit from the one who made the vow, has no food. What do you do? He can't share his food, and he's benefiting from him. So what do you do? So He gives it to a third person as a gift. It's yours. Then, once it's his, he's not benefiting from me, it doesn't belong to me, right? What if there's no one else there? The two of them are traveling together. There's no one else. He can't give it to someone else. What do you do? He can put the food on a, on a stone, on a rock. On a fence. He says, It's ownerless. Whoever wants to eat it, it's not longer mine. And the other one can go and eat it. His heart's content. In this case, Abiyasi says, No. You can't make it ownerless. You can give it to someone else if there's a third party. But just to put it on a rock, on a fence, and clear it ownerless, that doesn't work. This ploy doesn't work. Why not? We want to explain why, what's the argument? Why Abiyasi disagrees with the rabbis? Right. Okay. The Meshli Gemara. says, My time at Abiyasi. What's the reason of Abiyasi? What's wrong? Because somebody holds Hefke is like Matona. Making it ownerless is like a gift. When does the gift kick in? When does the gift take effect? Not enough for me to give it. Until you receive it and willingly receive it, I can take back the gift. If I say I'm giving you a gift, as long as I'm still holding it, it's not yours. I can take it back. I can change my mind until you receive it. So that's what Hefker means? Hefker is ownerless. Ownerless. Oh, making well, it ownerless. Oh, yeah. belongs to, It's a free-for-all. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So Hefker is like a gift. Just like a gift. Like until the person receives it. I can change my mind. It's still mine. So Hefker also Hefker. Until, until the person... When they make it ownerless, it's still mine. Until someone takes it. Yes, I make it ownerless, anyone can go and take it. But until you actually take it, it's mine, and then I can take it back. It's mine. 
And when I take it back, if I change my mind, just like my, I don't have to make a Kenyan. It's not like I make it ownerless. It's a free-for-all. So of course I can take it. I'm, I'm not worse than anyone else. I'm like anyone else. It belongs to anyone, whoever finds it first. But then I would have to make a Kenyan to acquire it. I don't have to make a Kenyan. I can change my mind. I'm sorry. I'm not, I'm not giving it away. And no one is allowed to touch it then. Automatically, it's mine. That's what WAC is saying. So therefore, when the person is taking it, he is benefiting from me. It's mine. It's not ownerless till after he takes it. Too late because by, by, he took it, he's benefiting from me. But the rabbis disagree. The rabbis say that Hefker is not like a gift. The moment yeah. I make it ownerless, it's ownerless. And it's a free for all. And I can no longer, I can't withdraw it. I could acquire it like anyone else. But then you have to acquire it, you have to lift it up, you have to acquire it. So, therefore, the moment I make it ownerless, it's no longer mine. So, therefore, the other person can go ahead and, and take it. Talking about ownerless things that attack ownerless, that there is no owner. There are things you find in the desert that it is ownerless. It doesn't belong to anyone. But then it's ownerless. Here we're talking about you made it ownerless. It's your private possession, your private property, and you're declaring it's ownerless. So that declaration is just permission. I give anyone permission to go ahead and acquire it. When you acquire it, then it becomes yours. But until you acquire it, I can, ta- I can withdraw that statement. That declaration, and then it's mine. I don't have to do anything. It's automatically mine. The law follows the rabbis. The law is not like Rabbi Yosef. The hefke is effective. The, it's not like a gift. And the moment you say, declare it's hefke, it's no longer yours. It's not in your possession. And, and you can acquire it like anyone else. You're, you're equal to anyone else. But then you have to make an acquisition. You can't just rescind that declaration. Okay. Masiv Rababa 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 has question. He challenged Rabbi Yechon's explanation. We learned the Brais of Allah and the Eitel Veich. The first part of the Brais is like our mission. The same case of our mission. So he says that he can declare it Hefker, put it on the fence or on this rock, and then the person can go ahead and eat it. Then he says, I'm Rabbi Yesi. Rabbi Yesi says, no. Rabbi Yesi prohibits it. It's not an option. Just to put to clear it ownerless and put it on the rock. I'm Rabbi Yesi. And Rabbi Yesi said... When do we say when do we say this when do I say that it's not an option when his vow his vow was he made his vow before he made he declared it onerous. Once it's already forbidden, then the declaring onerous doesn't help him. So like I take this here. but we continue on side B, 43B. What if first he made it onerless? And then he made a vow that the person is not allowed to benefit from his possession. Then he is allowed to take the food from the rock or from the fence. So I'm according to you. According to you, Rabbi Eichman. You're saying that the reasoning of Rabbi Yesi is because making or declaring something onerless is the equivalent of a gift. That it's not effective until the person actually takes possession of it. It's just a declaration, making, giving the person permission to acquire it. So if that's the case, what difference does it make? Mali nidre kedem lev What difference does it make when he made the vow? 
Even if he made the vow after he declared it onerless, what's the difference? I declared it onerless, but it's still mine until someone actually acquires it. So when then when I make a vow that he can't benefit from it, you're not able to benefit because you're benefiting from my possession. What difference does it make when I made the vow? So this is the question Abaya, uh, Rababa asked. He asked the question and he answered. He himself answered the question. That's the best. A student asks the question then he figures out the answer himself. <laughs> what was the answer? Because when you made the vow, really I'll tell you Rabbi Echen is correct. Rabbi Echen holds that making something on the list is equivalent of a gift. It's just a decoration. That I'm giving you permission to acquire it. But until you acquire it, it's still mine and I can rescind that, that decoration. But, but then, when I make a vow after I declare it on the list, and I said you're not to benefit from mine, from me, so of course, that object that I declare on the list, that food that I declare on the list, is still mine, it should be included, but no, I never, that's not what I included, because I made that on the list already. I already declared it to free for all, anyone who wants could acquire it. So now when I make a vow, you're not to benefit from me, I'm talking about everything else, excluding that. So we evaluate his state of mind. What he meant is clearly he's not including that because that he already made all Yes, technically it's still his. And technically he could still rescind. And technically you could say, well, you made a vow. You're not allowed to benefit from me. It's still mine. No. What he had in mind is you're not allowed to benefit from anything that I'm keeping. That I made all already. So in my mind, that's not included. That you can enjoy. It was never included in the vow. So even though technically it's still mine, but that's not included in the vow. So the flip side would be that well, he, if he made the vow before he made it after he made the vow before he made Hefker. So when he made Hefker, the vow included everything, including the item that he made Hefker. That was already included. So until, you, until it's acquired, it's still mine. So you're benefiting from me. So he answers Rabbi Yechon. He asked and he himself answered the question. Rabbi is challenging Rabbi's answer. We learn in another brayse. Uh, almost done. Miktasa and Lirish. If a person, if someone who's very seriously ill, gave some of his possessions to the first person, and then he gave all 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 of them to a second person, all the rest he gave to a second person. A person who's seriously ill is on, 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 dying on a sick bed. Deathbed, right. Deathbed. He's seriously ill. He's in the ICU. Yeah. <laughs> then you don't even need a Kenyan. Yeah, because he's telling the truth. And, and the rabbis, just for his peace of mind, you don't even need a Kenyan. Just verbally, whatever you say goes, and it has the power of an acquisition of, 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 of a, if it's a life-threatening illness. So usually when you make a gift, as we just learned, you have to acquire it. Can't just, you have to, until you acquire it, it's not. It's nothing. It's meaningless. It's words. It's words. But in the case of a shchivmina, the rabbis say that his word. It's as if you acquired it already. Right. As if you acquired it already. It's enough. Just the verbal declaration. Because otherwise, he's going to be anxious. You know, he's dying. So he want to give him peace of mind. So he wants his. He doesn't have the koya. And so whatever he says becomes fact. Becomes a reality. You have to be careful not to hasten the person's death even by a split second. That's murder. A split second of life is infinite value. It's like life is infinite value. A split second of life also has infinite value. You can't measure life. Six million in one life is all the same. Life is infinite. Six million times infinity and one times infinity equals the same. 
one second of life, one split second of life is equal to infinity. So you can't hasten, anything to do, you can hasten a person's death. You have to be very careful. After the rabbis made this enactment, you shouldn't, God forbid, get him to be anxious and, and will hasten his death. Whatever you say, it's, it's legal. It has legal power, legal force, and legal effect. It's only if he gives everything away. But if he only gives part of his property and he retains some of it for himself, so it means, why is he keeping some of the property? He's expecting to recover. He's not expecting to die. If he was really expecting to die, why are you keeping anything for yourself? Give everything away. So therefore, you, we, we evaluate your state of mind. You're not in the state of mind. You're thinking you're dying and if we... If we, if we don't allow you that your words have the effect, the legal effect, you're suddenly going to die, hasten your death. No, psychologically, in your mind, you're going out of the hospital. He's really dying, but he doesn't know that. In his mind, he's, he's, he's getting out of the hospital. He's already planning, he's already planning what he's going to do next year and the next vacation. He's... <laughs> if he says, part of my property belongs to one, to one person, and he left over some for himself, and then he says, give all the leftovers to the second person... The first person acquired what was given to him. Even if he recovered. Because surely he must have made a Kenyan. Because whatever he gave, he didn't have the status of a sickbed gift. It must have been made through a Kenyan. In order for it to be valid. he would have said I'm giving it to you as a sick bed gift I'm dying and I'm giving it to you then it doesn't matter if he gives partial or whole obviously his state of mind is that he's dying he didn't say that. he just gave a gift he's dying he's nice to you but he's giving a gift he didn't state it explicitly because I'm dying I'm giving you a gift so maybe since he's only giving a partial gift we evaluate maybe in his mind he's planning to get up he's planning to get better and that's why he left he left some for himself so surely there was a Kenyan so even if he gets better you can't rescind the gift if someone is dying and he gives a gift and then miraculously recovers, you rescind the whole gift. I only gave the gift because I thought I was dying. <laughs> Baruch Hashem, I'm better. I rescind the whole gift. But here, since the partial gift was not given as a gift because he's dying on his dying deathbed, he gave it as a gift. I like you. I'm planning to get better, but I like you. I want to give you a gift like any other gift. And it was probably it was acquired. So even if he gets better, you can't rescind the gift. But the second one, the one that he gave to the other person, all his left, everything that he had left, he gave to the other person, that was clearly a shchiv made a gift because he thought he's dying. That's why he gave everything away. Whatever was left over from him, he gave everything away. And therefore, if he gets it miraculously, there's a cure, he's cured and he's recovered, then he takes it back. He rescinds that whole gift. Sheni leikana. Because it was only, it was like a condition. If I die, then you get to keep it since I'm dying anyway and I can't take it to my grave with me, so therefore it belongs to you. But if I'm healthy, I'm not, I never gave it to you. I only gave it to you because I'm dying. Is He gave the second one. He gave everything to the second one. What does that mean, he gave everything to the second one? He gave to the first. And then there was leftovers. So what does it mean? It means, could it mean he meant everything that's left over, that's remaining, that belongs to me, that still belongs to me, I'm giving? Or maybe he means everything, including including the possessions that I gave to the first one. Now I want to, I made, I changed my mind, I want to give it to the second one.
So what's the question? So we can't retract it. Rav's question, Rav is challenging Ababa. What do we see from the Braise? The Braise says that, that if he recovers, the first gift stands, because it was a regular gift. It wasn't because I thought I'm dying, I'm giving you a gift. I mean, you're my friend, I like you, and I want to give you a gift. The second one, however, was a, was a deathbed, uh, deathbed type of gift. And therefore, once I recover, I, it's retract. The question is, why am I so certain that the first gift is not a deathbed type of gift? It's a regular gift. Why? Maybe the fact that he gave it to two people. He gave one half of his possessions and he gave the other one the rest. So doesn't, isn't it logical to say the whole thing was a deathbed? I knew I'm dying, but I want to give two people. I don't want to give one person. So I'm giving you half, I'm giving you the other half. So even the first gift was a deathbed gift. How do I know for certain it was a regular gift? So if I should say, now that I'm cured, I want everything back. I can argue. What do you mean? I gave you part of my possession. I gave you part of my possession. I knew that I'm dying. It's not that I gave you part and I kept the rest for myself. I didn't keep it myself. I wasn't thinking that I'm getting, I'm getting out of the ICU with 50 tubes hanging from me. No. I thought I'm a goner. All the doctors told me I'm dying. And they encouraged me and pushed me to die. What quicker? A miracle happened and I, and I was cured. Since the price is so certain that the first gift stands, so we must be talking about a case that when the second one, when he says in the second one, the second one, I'm giving all of my possession, he didn't mean all of my leftover, whatever's left over, whatever is still mine I'm giving you. He meant all of my possession, I'm giving you everything, even the, even the possession that I gave to the first guy. No, it's I'm retracting. I wanted to give him half and you the other half. Now I'm taking it back. I want to give everything to you. So in that case, it's clear that the first gift was not a deathbed type of gift. I gave you half because I thought I'm getting better. And I left over the half for myself. But now I realize that I'm dying and I'm not getting out of here. This is the <laughs> end, the bitter end. So now I'm telling you, I take it back. I want to give everything to you. So it's clear that the first gift was a real gift. That's what the mission says. If he gets better... The first gift stands, and the second gift, the second gift uh, is is rescinded. The deathbed gift is rescinded. How do I know clearly the second, the second gift was a deathbed gift and not the, not the first one? Because the second one I gave, I take took it back. Why did I take it back? Because I thought initially I had two different thoughts. Initially I thought that I'm going to get better, so I want to give you some, and I'll keep some for myself. Why am I giving now everything away? Now I change my mind. Now I realize I'm really dying. There's nothing left for me. I'm giving everything to you. So since it's clear, I'm giving you everything to you. I'm, take, I'm regretting my giving you half. I want to give you, the second person, everything. So it's clear that in my initial thought, when I gave him half, it was a regular gift. I wasn't thinking about dying. So what do we see from here? So we see from here that when a person says, I'm giving you all, even though he said it. After he already gave the other person, it includes even the gift that he gave to the other person. So not like you. You, Rabbi, explained Rabbi Yechanan that if he makes, if he makes, uh, 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 he declares it's owner. If he makes a vow after he declared it owner, is he's saying it only 
applies to the possessions that I have now, not the possession that I already, I already made ownerless. Here we're saying that even after I gave away the gift to someone else, when I tell you I'm giving all of my possessions, I'm including even the part that I already gave away. So it's not so when I make a vow, you should say the same thing. The vow should include even even those the food that I made ownerless. Because it's still mine. And it should it should also be included. And therefore the other person should not be allowed to eat that food. Because he's benefiting from me until he actually takes it. It's actually my food. A regular gift, once you a gift once I make a gift and the other person actually makes a kinyan and acquires it. It's done. It's his. Well, we said there's no kinyan here. It? It? It no, no, but here we're saying it was a kinyan because since he had a mind, he had a mind. I'm giving you a gift, and I'm going to get better. So I'm getting better. I'm, keep, I'm keeping half because I'm yeah, but I'm giving half. I'm keeping half for myself. So I'm keeping half for myself. It means I'm not planning to die. I'm giving you a regular gift, and you you made a kinyan, and it's yours. I can't take it back. There's no retraction. It's yours. It's finished. I gave it to you. Again, it's too late. Then I changed my mind. I realized I am dying. And I said to the other one, okay, now I'm giving everything to you, including what I gave him. I gave him because I thought I'm going to live. Now that I'm dying, I want to give you everything. How can you, how can you retract that? Oh. Then, no, he says he can. The bride says he can. Yeah. Too late. That's what the bride says. He can. So even if he gets better... It's done. Finished. The second gift is yeah, yeah. The second gift is retracted because he got better. He was cured. Yeah, it's exactly what the price is saying. So this is a question on Avava. So Elamadava rather Rava says he gives another reasoning. In the time of the Rabbi Yaisi, different reason. The reason for Rabbi not like Rabbi Yaisi. The reason for Rabbi Yaisi is gzedim shematnas matnas beis chayrin to decree. Was of the gift of Beis Chayyim, and later on in the Mishnah we're going to learn: a person made a vow, his father is not able to benefit from him. The son made a vow that his own father can benefit from him, and the son made a wedding for his son, and he really wanted his father, the grandfather, to be there, to eat and enjoy the banquet. So what did he do? So he made a gift of the courtyard and the food to another person. And he says, the only reason I'm doing this, it's like a, it's like a legal uh, loophole. I'm doing this because I want my father to come and enjoy the, enjoy the wedding. And the one who received it then said, well, I'm consecrating it to Hashem. If now the hall and all the food belongs to me, I'm going to be very generous. I'm giving it all to Hashem. And it becomes holy. No one is allowed to benefit from it. So the person says, I never gave it to you for that purpose. I only gave it to you for the purpose of allowing my father to eat, to eat and participate in the wedding. I never gave it to you for the purpose that it's really yours, you can do whatever you want with it and just give it away to the, to the temple treasury. And then it's sacred and no one is allowed to benefit from the, from the wedding. The whole wedding, you might as well close down the whole wedding because no one can benefit from it. I never gave, it, I never gave you that power, I never made it yours. Literally, it's yours to do whatever you want with it. So it's yours. I wanted to find a legal loophole to get my father through the door. The rabbis say it's problematic. The rabbis say that it doesn't work. The father cannot come to the wedding. Because since it's clear, he never meant it as a gift. It's clear, it's just doing it as a legal, technical loophole. It doesn't hold. It doesn't hold, exactly. It doesn't hold. 
So our mission is the same thing. Why am I making it on I'm making it on We really want to give it away. I don't want to give it away. I don't want a stranger. I'm not giving it to a stranger. You just want the other guy to take it. So therefore, the rabbis say, you know what? It, it, it's it's I mean, it's clearly it's a it's just a technicality. It's not real. So that's why the rabbis say it's prohibited. In other words, even Rabbi Yaisi would agree in essence, halachically, that Hefker, he agrees with the rabbis. Making it onerless makes it onerless immediately. And you can't rescind your declaration. It's, it's not like a gift. The other person doesn't have to acquire it. Even before the other person acquires it, it's onerless. And really, technically, he would be able to take it off the rock and off the fence. Even if it's just, even if it's just the two of them. But the rabbis made a decree. The rabbi said that it looks fishy. Yeah, it's fish. Exactly. And that's why he also allows him to eat it. If he made hefker, if he made it on the list before he made the vow, because when he made when he made it hefker, I'm not doing it for him. Why am I? He doesn't. I can give it to him the, if I meant him. I can give him the food right now. Is before he made the vow. I can share my sandwich with him. Why am I making it on the list? I'm making it on the list. Anyone? I want anyone to come and eat from me. So then, when he makes a vow, and legally it's a vow. The vow works. I'm, I'm, and then when he makes a vow, and the hefka worked, the hefka really is no longer mine. So he has no control over it. So therefore, he's allowed to eat from it. So here, there's no reason for the rabbis to make a decree. It's not fitchy. It's nothing fitchy. It was a genuine declaration of making on all of it. Okay, very, very satisfying explanation. I think tomorrow we'll continue. Everyone have a wonderful